0: Does your leadership style work in another kind of business
1: mine I doubt it <laughs> you well, know, beer is it's 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 who I am yeah um, and it, it the culture out at ska is I think our 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 it's what's unique about us and I think we're, we're really authentic I've certainly seen my share of people that have come in they thought they wanted to be in the beer business yeah. they realized it's it's not glamour it's not all beer drinking yeah. it's a yeah. giant dishwashing job Welcome
0: to Proco 360, I'm your host Dave Tabor. This show is for people who love Colorado and who are fascinated with stories of Colorado companies and their leaders. Success looks different here, our lives are multidimensional and that's why the tagline is live, work, love Colorado. In this episode I'll be speaking with Dave Thibodeau, co-founder and president of Ska Brewing. This is a Durango, Colorado-based company making awesome craft beer. Dave's been at this a while, and we'll talk about how the business has evolved and the new challenges of a market that's maturing. And I expect we'll have time to talk about his newer venture, Peach Street Distillers in Palisade, some really unique products like beer schnapps. We'll have to, Dave will have to tell us more about that. Before we jump in, though, let me give a big thank you to our studio hosts, Ty and Dustin here at 92.9 The Point. To Stephanie Schnur at the Holiday Inn Hotel in Suites, Durango, she's putting me up. And to Jack Llewellyn, head of the Durango Chamber of Commerce, for making these introductions and handling the logistics. Dave, thanks for being on Proco 360. Oh, thanks for having me. And by by chance last night, we bumped into each other <laughs> at Scott Brewing because my friend Brian Freeman of the Modern Eater Show was there doing his road trip. So it was kind of fun to be there and see you and talk to begin with.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was great. It was fantastic. Uh, bit of serendipity. Yeah, it was
0: great. What's the story? Uh, start us off with a story behind Scott Brewing.
1: It starts back when I was—I grew up in in Denver, in out in Wheat Ridge, and I went to Wheat Ridge High School. And at that time, um, I would say I wasn't—I uh, was interested in the social life. I would say is a, is one way to yeah, put it. Yeah. And uh, and I kind of got into beer pretty early and. My friend that that I started the brewery with, Bill Graham, him and I were actually in my folks' living room one day and we ran across a uh, in their bookshelves just a book. It was a notebook that just said mm. brew book. Hmm. And we pulled it off the shelves just because of the word brew. Huh. And uh we started flipping through it and it was my dad's log sheets from homebrewing. And he had started homebrewing in nineteen sixty-nine hmm. and he finished in about nineteen eighty, and this is the mid eighties, so maybe eighty-five. Yeah. And uh So he probably quit brewing right about when we. When I. If he had kept going another year, I might have noticed. Yeah. But I just never knew that he brewed. Yeah. And we started flipping through those thinking gosh, you know, my dad was making his own beer. Where, where's he had the alcohol? And, yeah. and we realized he was making the alcohol, and yeah. then that was just a, like a light bulb going on to a high school <laughs> kid, you know? So we realized we could actually make alcohol or beer yeah. with, with stuff you could buy at the grocery store at the time. They How handy. Really, yeah, there weren't really homebrew shops yet. So, so that got that. your interest peaked initially, right? So, yeah.
0: So how did that translate into ska?
1: <laughs> so my dad hopped right in with us and started teaching us how hopped, to brew. Hopped, yeah, right. There you go. In, yeah, 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 pun intended. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, at the time, we were, uh, I don't know how familiar everybody might be with ska music, but it's uh, it was the precursor to reggae, basically. Mm-hmm. It, it was a type of music that began in Jamaica in the late 50s early yeah. 60s but faster paced than a lot of reggae yeah, yeah i mean that's that's one way to put yeah. it technically it's it's confusing to mm-hmm. say that but yeah. it, it does sound like a faster yeah. reggae and we were really into that music we were and we were punk rock kids too mm-hmm. at the same time and and uh so our criteria whenever we home brewed we had two criteria we had to drink our previous batch of homebrew and mm-hmm. the other thing was that we had to listen to ska music when we <laughs> brewed otherwise you know the beer wouldn't come out it <laughs> wouldn't turn out so that was kind of where the name came from yeah and uh So if it comes from ska with sort of a reggae uh,
0: background, so why the graphics that you selected and all that, like that
1: 40s style black and white graphics and stuff? There's kind of two parts to that. The the black and white stuff, so ska music went through what they called waves. Um, The first wave was when it started in Jamaica. The second wave, it kind of hopped the pond. And really picked up and became popular with uh, black and white working class kids in England, hmm. and a record label formed called Two Tone, and the Two Tone was the black and white, got and it, it. was yeah. it was a nod to the black and white mixed class working class, and uh, they called it Two Tone, and that's where the black and white checkers uh, came yeah, from, and yeah. it was really a unity thing, huh, um, among races, and so that was that was kind of how we got into it. Fortunately, at the time, that was pre digital printing, really. Mm, So you paid by the color when you printed things like your So it was also a strategic (laughs) cost-cutting
0: effort. That's pretty cool. So when did you
1: actually start the business, Scott Brewing? So we opened up in September of 1995. We poured our first two kegs of beer, Mm. True Blonde, um, at the Telluride Blues and brews. At yeah. that time, it was just called the Telluride Brewers Fest.
0: So, was this a business then, or were you just did you just have a couple of barrels that you made and were testing out?
1: No, this was this was actually a business, but yeah. it it was you know we started with with not a lot of money, um, a small loan from Bill's dad after mm. the SBA laughed at us and huh. and yeah. the banks laughed at. Well, us. Well, yeah, so here is two more kids that want to start a
0: brewing company. Yeah. yeah, of
1: course, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, and so it was it was you know really really the SBA kind of laughing at us mm-hmm. was was, I I think, really drove us to like kind of really make this thing work kind of out of spite. Hmm. And uh, So, just from a scale perspective then, uh,
0: describe where you are now as a company as far as how much you're brewing, what your business looks like in a real
1: nutshell. Sure, sure. So, beer is measured in barrels, Mm -hmm. and a barrel is 31 gallons. So, when people see a a keg, they call it a half barrel. When you see a full-size keg, that's 15 and a half gallons. So, two of those equals a barrel. And we brew currently, you know, the first that year till the end of the year, we brewed about 70 barrels. And Mm -hmm. then our first full year, I think we brewed about 700 barrels Mm -hmm. in 1996. And now we brew about 30,000 barrels Mm -hmm. so there's over 8,000 breweries in the country right now and we're we're in the top 100 as far as size goes so that's pretty
0: impressive and and once you get our brewery when you talk about the the 8,000 breweries does that include Miller Coors and so forth I mean or are you talking about are you talking about craft brewers only
1: well I mean you know now there's only there's really only a couple of those large breweries. they've all merged and bought each other and And so, if if you include everything, yeah, it's over eight thousand. There's a Mm, couple more thousand, like in the permitting permitting
0: phase. Really, I want to talk about that in a minute. But as you were as you were starting off and and going from from 800 barrels to 8000 barrels and so forth as you were scaling like I remember I read this book so you want to you want to open a brewery about the Lagunitas story yeah and these guys told the story about how they their first massive investment was this equipment that then wouldn't fit in the door they'd had measure I mean you must have had stuff that didn't go right when you started a ska right
1: Yeah, there were, I mean, there were, there's a lot of those stories. Yeah, so what's
0: what's one that comes to mind that sort of says, this is what can go wrong if you don't
1: think this through? (laughs) Equipment is a big one. When we were buying our, uh, this wasn't actually us, but it was while we were buying our original equipment, we were in Spokane um, buying the brew system. This was our first brewery. We were buying it from a brewery in Spokane, and... He had just gotten a bigger system from New Belgium actually and uh, up at Fort Collins and he he couldn't get that equipment through his door so he uh-huh. had to take out the windows of the front of his brew pub because he was wow. already open as a brew pub <laughs> it also wouldn't fit through the windows so he actually had to break out while we were there part of his wall Wow to make this happen and it was pretty crazy because he also had to he didn't get a permit to like Closed down the street, and it was right on the main street in Spokane, <laughs> and so he had this giant crane forklift thing called a Sky Track, hmm. and uh, we had to break out the wall, and then he's holding the, this kettle um, on the forks of this giant forklift, and it and it and he had blocked three lanes of traffic oh, no. with caution tape that he bought at the hardware store, and then the forklift fell through the road into the sewer. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Not all the way, but you know, one wheel went down and actually broke through the wow. asphalt wow. while he was holding the kettle while we were there trying to steady it. And that's... I mean, honestly, at that time, <laughs> that, that did not seen once we started yeah. moving our stuff in it didn't seem that uncommon like wow this <laughs> stuff is what's stories. happening
0: <laughs> yeah. so is, is like everybody
1: in the business sort of like you were and this guy just kind of figuring it out Crazy. as they go at that time yeah there wasn't i mean dating myself obviously there wasn't you know the internet yeah so you, yeah. you didn't have all this advice from everybody and there weren't nearly as many breweries so um, you know, we had our peers that were friends of ours that we knew, like in Denver, the Windcoop, for example, yeah. but that we could ask questions to. But yeah, we had to figure out a lot of it um, as it as it happened. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the market has changed so
0: much now. And this is what what fascinates me from being in like looking at a guy like you and your business that the market scene. You said there's 2000 people with permits now. But to me, the market seems saturated. Am I wrong? What do you
1: think? Well, that's it. That's a great. Observation There's you know, I was just reading last year 2018, the actual overall beer market declined, um, like 0.1 percent, but hmm. a thousand new breweries opened. Yeah, up. so
0: that's amazing to me. It's well, not we, sustainable, right?
1: It doesn't. Well, you seem wonder, like it. you wonder. Yeah.
0: So, what do you think? I mean, uh, people are opening 2000 more what's gonna happen
1: (laughs) you know the the model right now is it's really it's a it's kind of a mixed bag and from my perspective and the size and the business model that we have it's 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 kind of difficult to talk about because the the model that works right now that is sustainable i believe is you open a brewery in your neighborhood whatever it might be You, you, you keep it small and you really focus on your tasting room yeah um Unfortunately, it comes at the expense of the bars and restaurants that have supported the industry all these years. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the restaurant or bar next door that's been carrying Colorado craft beer for yeah. 20 years or whatever it is, is then going to suffer hmm. due to the fact that there's a new brewery with a tasting room. And the, and the rules are a little bit different. So it's not necessarily the, the fairest, the levelest playing field. Yeah. And so it's really hard for someone like us to navigate, but, but that's the most sustainable model. Hmm. Moving forward? It, it seems like it is. And
0: listeners, I'm gonna remind you, this is ProCo
1: three sixty, and
0: I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Dave Thibodeau of Scott Brewing and Peach Street Distillers, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And this is a great time to thank our sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado. And by the way, I just went past the Community Banks of Colorado in Durango. Beautiful. Also, MicroStar Keg Logistics and Kinsley Meetings, these great service companies. Support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Thanks also to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and Proco 360. And getting back to Dave Thibodeau, this uh, sustainable model you think is the local uh, brew pub, right? And it seems uh, the ones that are, to me, amazing are only making beer and they're putting like food trucks out. Now, you have a restaurant that I was at last night. Why did you decide to do
1: a restaurant versus, like, have food trucks and only make beer? Well, we did originally have a food truck out there in our beer garden. And um, it was kind of out of necessity for us because he and, – and, and the plan all along was for this to happen. He was looking for brick-and-mortar space where mm-hmm. out in the neighborhood where we're located, and uh, and he found it. So it didn't make any sense for him to have a food truck in our beer garden right on the other yeah. side of the road. So. But at that time, people had become used to having food. And we had had this dream of of opening something, like building stuff out of used old shipping containers. Uh-huh. Yep. And uh, and it hadn't it wasn't really a thing yet, yeah. you know. So it was, I really, we were kind of, I feel like at the forefront of, of reusing those things and doing something yeah. cool yeah. with it. So to us, it was a little bit demand. Um, we were kind of interested in food, but we were also really interested in, building something out of shipping containers yeah. and we talked about little like hotel style rooms mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. on the land out there or, or little cabins that we would make out of shipping containers but we decided to build hmm. a two story kitchen with yeah. a deck out of them and,
0: well the deck is cool and but I was wondering, was like Beer has such great margins And food is such nice. a hassle Yeah, food Like, why would you You know To me, the perfect <laughs> model is Sell beer Let people buy their food And just make money
1: You're nailing it It's uh, Why didn't you do that, there's, then? I mean Beer <laughs> beer over your bar Has good margins Beer in other markets Like selling wholesale yeah, To other states yeah, yeah You lose a lot With, with mm. the different tiers of That you have to go through Right, to, every distribution piece, Exactly Before yeah. you get it to the consumer um, But over your bar which is why that neighborhood tasting room Mm -hmm. or brewery Mm -hmm. works. But food, like you just said, Mm -hmm. it is a pain. And uh, we're really fortunate that we have uh, our GM and the guy who runs our tasting room, our chef, Jeremy Storm, is fantastic. And thank God we ran across him because if if, if we didn't, we wouldn't be able to – to pull that off, and now I'm really yeah. proud of the food that we have out yeah. there and the job yeah. that that our crew does. We actually call it the container restaurant. Oh,
0: really? So, yeah. Are you are you making much money there, or is it really to serve the uh, on the food, or is it really to serve the beer drinkers who want to eat something?
1: Yeah, I feel you know we're a we're a couple miles outside of town, yeah. and I feel it's kind of it's more responsible for us to have mm-hmm. food mm-hmm. instead of just yeah. have it be beer. Sure. Um, and at the same time, there. There is the bonus that comes along with people being able to eat there in that they'll have another beer. Ha <laughs> Yeah. So even though we're not yeah. making money on, on food, it's, yeah. I, f- I feel it's good to have that as something to offer. Got it. And at yeah. the same time, you know, people can have a, can have a beer because yep. they have food. Yep. Yep. So it, it I, does work out for us. That makes sense. Now you're, how many employees do you have in all of Ska? We have about
0: 70, 70. And. You're their leader, right? I saw you in I action in last a way. night. Yeah, I saw you in <laughs> action last night. You look like you're having a good time. Uh, does your leadership style work in another kind of business? Mine, I doubt it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you well, know, beer is, it's, 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 it's who I am. Yeah. Um, and it, it, the culture out at SKA is, I think, our our our... It's what's unique about us, and I think we're, we're really authentic and that you know you asked earlier about our kind of our artwork. we wrote a comic mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. that uh, that told this fake story about the brewery and our and our nemesis Rot gutson, and that <laughs> comic books and ska music and beer it just it's what what we're into yeah and' it's, it's great for me because I don't have to pretend to be anything that I'm not mm-hmm. and I think that goes a long way when you're leading a company and, and when people either buy into that or that's who they are and they fit that culture, which is really important to us. Yeah. I mean, they know right away if it's for them or not and and vice versa. Yeah. But you, so you're a laid back guy. It would be easy for some, for
0: an employee or staff member to come in and say, I don't really have to do much. Dave's cool. You're right. I mean, how do you, how do you draw that line and say, yeah, I'm cool. And I like to laugh and yeah, you need to, to work
1: (laughs) how do you do that (laughs) it's really you know this is a hard thing to comprehend but it 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 regulates itself um i think when i think there's an expectation there among the staff and the team is big enough and there's a lot of people pulling more than their own weight just because i would say we're probably we could always use more people but it it doesn't financially always make the best business sense and so when someone isn't pulling their weight it's it's they're just not the right fit and and i really let it just be that way and i think the our other managers and our staff all the way you know doesn't doesn't matter if it's who it is at what level of the company mm-hmm. they're at everyone works really hard out there and it's and i think hard work begets hard work mm-hmm. and it's really you know it's apparent if somebody's not Pulling their weight, and I don't really need to police it. Hmm. It's, um, really, yeah, and it's it's and it's just organically, it's evolved that way mm-hmm. on its own. And I think it's just because of the type of people we are. We've we've worked really hard for the twenty four years that we've been a business, and there's I mean there's no denying that. And I think it's you fit or you don't, and mm-hmm. it's apparent pretty early. But doesn't everyone?
0: seem to think they fit in the beer business. <laughs> they, yeah,
1: that's a good point. They do. And it's, you know, maybe, I'll say, maybe it's, if it's not our company, maybe it is another Brewing company yeah, yeah But maybe not There's I've certainly seen My share of people That have come in They thought they wanted To be in the beer business yeah. They realized It's it's not glamour It's not all beer drinking yeah. It's a yeah. giant Dishwashing job Right Uh-huh. So yeah. And it's like You're working really hard And sometimes yeah. You're putting in 10, 12, 14 Even more yeah. Hour days yeah. And uh, That's an interesting Way of putting it It's a big dishwashing job It's a job. gigantic Dishwashing job
0: You know Okay I'm gonna
1: Being <laughs> a brewer Is not glamorous When you're actually Back there in the rubber boots <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, Yeah. Hey, I got to ask you a curiosity question totally off script. Every
0: time I buy a beer, they sh- push it down on the water and spray out the glass. What's that about?
1: It's twofold really. Um it's cleaning the glass a a good rinse cuz something like dust will Make for a bad pour. Hmm. Um, beer doesn't pour well in a dirty glass, a dusty hmm. glass, a glass that has any sort of foreign substance huh. at all. And that, not that, not that there's gross, dirty stuff yeah, in the yeah, glasses. Yeah. But the other thing is, it it chills down the glass slightly, hmm. just slightly. And yeah. if you know, if the room's hot, if it's the middle of the summer, we've got our doors open all the time. If those yeah. glasses are. Warm. At room temperature yeah, yeah, yeah. 80 degrees yeah the uh, beer will foam a lot more and there's a lot uh, more waste um, huh yeah so it cools down the glass it rinses Interesting. it and you waste less beer less beer and it's yeah. and i think me as a consumer yep. i kind of like to see it get rinsed it just huh, makes huh. me a little bit more comfortable cool well
0: i'm going to switch gears because you're you're branching out now and you started when did you start peach street distillery
1: it's actually been a while we were um we might it was two thousand five when we started. A long that. time, yeah. yeah. So it's At, been a while. That's, and that's in Palisade.
0: Palisade, yeah, which is uh, uh, east of Durango. Just I mean, east of uh, Grand Junction, just a little bit, right? Correct. Yeah. So you're. It's a. Completely different thing You're distilling spirits You've got some amazing Creative varieties I was on the website Of gin Whiskey Vodka Brandy um, Agave Which I Is that tequila? It It is is, It's a a D apostrophe Agave Yeah D agave Is is what we call it And it's like a tequila
1: It is tequila right? It is It's just You can't tequila's got a geographic uh, right you can't call it tequila yeah, if exactly.
0: it's not yeah uh-huh. and and you got this thing called beer schnapps
1: what is that B-I-E-R schnapps what's that beer schnapps is it's really a whiskey uh, um, it's if w- the the way distilling works is you can take any form of alcohol and distill you know for all intents and purposes the just the pure alcohol out of it you know that's what you're doing is hmm. you're is you're removing everything from the alcohol that is in alcohol or vice versa however you want to look at it and then really a lot of a lot of what happens there takes place after you distill like how you age it and what you age it in different types of barrels and so Mm -hmm. forth Beer schnapps is is just whiskey distilled from beer. So we take beer huh? from I the nev- brewery. I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's German. It's you, people huh. think like cinnamon schnapps or something or yeah, fireball yeah, or whatever yeah, right, right. And it's not that at all. It's actually really fine whiskey. So our our flagship IPA at Scar, Modus Operandi, yep. we make a regular beer schnapps out of Modus at peach street and it's just distilled modus hopper and i wow i got yeah, and then that. aged in in um oak barrels for two years. I got to try that. Yeah, it's delicious. (laughs) Good. All
0: right. I am going to try that. Hey, listeners, I'm your host on Proco 360. This is Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Dave Thibodeau of Scob Brewing and of Peach Street Distillers. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. Also, please rate Proco three sixty in your app. So now I have to go back to Peach Street Distillers. And uh, is it distillery? Distillers. We call it distillers. Distillers got distillers. it. So why did you do that when Sky was up and running? Were you just getting bored?
1: Oh man, you know, it was, huh. I for the life of me, I can't understand why we did it because yeah. it was at that time the brewery was growing pretty rapidly. And uh, the truth is, there was another. there's a brewery up there, Palisade Brewing Company, that was started by a friend of ours, and he said you know this would be great if if you guys should actually open a distillery up here and we were we were distilling on a small system down here off in the woods <laughs> i guess <laughs> is a good way to put it where my buddy lived who actually opened it with us and uh so he knew that we We were familiar with distilling. We had taken some classes, and and I felt like we were getting pretty good at it. Hmm. And he asked us to come up there, and he was originally going to do our mash for us at his brewery. And we located, actually, basically in the same parking lot as him. Hmm. But then he sold the brewery before right as we were getting up and running. So we ended up doing everything ourselves, which was a blessing in disguise. Turned out great. But it was... I don't know what we were thinking because it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. You know, so here's
0: what I'm seeing. We're also seeing, and you know this, we're seeing tons of distilleries opening up. Right. Distilleries with tasting rooms, distilleries. And every single one says, ours is the best. Ours is awesome. Ours is, you know, and they're proclaiming that, you know, they're genius around distilling. (laughs) So not everyone's the best. No.
1: How does a customer know? Well, I mean, it's it's like beer too, you know. There's there's always going to be that part of the population that just doesn't know, and yeah. they don't know what they're drinking, they don't know what they're tasting, they have a horrible palate or whatever it might be, and and they may think they know, but yeah, yeah. There's a lot of I see it I see it all the time in the beer world, and it's definitely very true. And um, I think it's even you can go from beer to spirits, and then you'll see that you'll see where it's a little. It's a little more difficult if if you're not, if you don't have a good palate, you're not somewhat trained, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're drinking. And wine is even, maybe even a little more right. subtle. You know, a lot of people can't tell when they're drinking a bad wine. So, all right. So, here's my my
0: cynic coming through a little sure. bit. Because, like, if most customers go to whiskey, for example, most customers don't have a distinguished, sophisticated palate, right? So, are we just marketing brands to them? Cool stories, cool labels.
1: <laughs> really, I think you know. For us, it's why we're it's why we're located in Palisade because we make we make our bourbon out of the sweet corn in Olada. Mm. Um The fruit we use for our brandies is is comes from the field to right into our still, like all mm. within a day. Like our 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 raw materials are brought to us on a forklift from the farm across the street mm-hmm. they're not shipped across the country yeah, yeah. and th- those things make a big difference really? with craft spirits if, yeah if,
0: if you put those things you know some uh, your product next to somebody whose product had been shipped across the country blah. blah, blah what i tell you what i taste a, a beginner would i taste the difference
1: i think you can with with ours you know there's a lot of the bigger distillers are obviously their their process makes such a clean yeah. product and mm-hmm. there's certain yeah. things we do where we don't want it to be that clean we yeah. want um i guess for lack of a better term, the, the terroir of palisade to come through mm-hmm. in those in those spirits, mm-hmm. and we want part of where it's grown and that fruit and yeah. and the dirtiness to mm-hmm. come through with it. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, back to back, I think you can really tell, and those are the type of people that we would really be marketing to. You know, we sure we sell mixed drinks in our tasting room. Right, you could probably put maybe a Anything, lesser really, spirit yeah, in there, yeah. and you know, if you're putting. You know grape soda in it. Yeah, uh, our, can you yeah, really tell? Yeah, I don't know, but but when you drink our bourbon straight against another bourbon, I think yeah. it's pretty. It's not difficult to tell. Tell the difference. What's, yeah, you're going to prove that theory. to me
0: later, I suppose. I
1: will. But yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> hey, I've heard. I've heard from our friend Steve, who's now the marketing director at Law's Whiskey House, uh, that you are like way into fitness. Yeah. So how I does will. a guy who's like way into fitness get into the <laughs> beer business and now the booze business?
1: I think it was out of necessity. I, uh, Why
0: is that? Well, you well, couldn't he... make a living running races?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was no, like... I, was, it was, I was brewing first uh-huh. and I was getting fat and unhealthy <laughs> and I've got yeah. major back problems. I have a spused, fused spine and, hmm. and all of these things were just, it was unhealthy. And once I got my spine fused i i realized that i'm you know i'm gonna die if i keep going at this rate i like to drink a lot of beer <laughs> and and really it's it's a it's about balance um so i do i run a lot and i mountain bike a lot i rode bike a lot too mm-hmm. and it's uh Running's definitely my thing, and Steve at Laws, which is one of the better, the better distilleries yeah. that, that that is in Colorado for sure. Um, he runs a lot with me, and whenever I go to Denver, it's kind of the first thing we do is Steve and I hook up and go on some long runs, and we do a lot of races together. Hmm. But it's a, uh, I think it's just really important when you live that kind of lifestyle and you're really engrossed in a world of alcohol, mm-hmm. you you have to do something to have some kind of balance, and I really think that that your your mental health is it, to keep your mental health, you have to keep your physical health. And yeah. I think it's just, uh, you know, it's better for your life uh, at work, away from work, your family life. It, 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 if you're unhealthy, it's going to transfer to all of that. And you just need to stay physically active and healthy. Yeah. Well, there's also this
0: crazy race I was told about called the uh Boulderango ride, yeah. And it was just by a bunch of beer guys, is that right? Talk about that.
1: That's right. It's uh we call it the the Boulderango and it was is Adam Avery of Avery Brewing. He called us up one day, this is quite a few years ago now, and said, Hey, we had this crazy idea. We want to ride our bikes from Avery to Ska. Avery's in mm-hmm. Boulder, Ska's mm-hmm. in Durango, three hundred and sixty ish miles away. Mm-hmm. And uh that's on the quickest route. Yeah. And he wanted to go over, I think, seven of Colorado's highest passes along the way, paved passes, except for Cottonwood was dirt on one side at the time. And uh, immediately, I don't know why I said Uh it, I was kicking myself that whole year, Uh but I was like, I want to go with you. And then we did it, and we did it every year for quite a few years, and I think we've taken two years off now. Um, But we've either gone from Avery to Ska or Ska back to Avery, and it's with anybody that anybody that works at a brewery as long as the owner of the brewery goes uh, any, anybody else from the brewery can go so we've had a lot of cool. other brewers Oscar Blues has come with us and, How long does and it take? Boulder beer it takes us about 5 days cool that sounds like a fun yeah. experience it's really fun
0: and, and it's you know every it's pretty clear to see that the brewing business is a collegial business um, has it become less so as the market got saturated or people less like you were competing with somebody 100 miles away or 500 miles away. You weren't really competing, right? Now it's, like, everywhere. Is it different? Does it feel I, different?
1: It does feel different. And it, I would I would say it's still very collaborative, and people share a lot of information, and there's and there's a lot of camaraderie there. But it does feel different than it used to. It used to be, I mean, anybody that was a brewer was pretty much your best friend. You could walk mm-hmm. in blind to any place, whether you've been there or not, and you were always treated like a king and you did the same thing if a brewer would show up at your brewery and it now it's, you know, it's pretty incognito when I go to other breweries of which I go to many, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't say a word. I just go in there and have a beer and, Mm -hmm. and it's, but, but sharing information, a lot of people, I think it's, you know, a lot of people assume that it's still that way. Now competition's gotten weird. There's been a lot of mergers, acquisitions, and it's harder to share information. It's harder to get, good information and, and really feel like you're doing it out of uh, for all the right reasons and yeah. like the goodness of your heart like you really yeah. do want to share it it's it seems like it's more of a I don't know there's there's a difference there it's you not, play it a little closer to the vest now I, I think so you know people are competing on yeah. price yeah. and some of your you know you just don't you we worked really hard to get wh- where we are yeah. and yeah. and do you ever feel like hey we're here. We're the real
0: guys. We worked our butts off when no one could tell us how, like you ever feel like, okay guys, just that's enough. We don't need more in the market, right?
1: I, You know, I don't. And no. uh, I, because I enjoy it so much. Yeah. I, I mean, nothing is more exciting to me than trying another, another brewery's beer. Mm. And uh, granted, I'm, I'm somewhat gun shy. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to just, I'll taste a lot of beer before yeah. I actually order a pint. If it's a uh-huh. brewery I haven't been to, uh-huh. but Man, I just—I think it's exciting, and even though things have changed, I still feel like it's the best industry there is, mm. and that the people that are part of it, for the most part, um, are are genuinely great people and fun to be with Mm -hmm. and fun to drink that beer with and sure there's going to be people who get into it for the wrong reasons, you know, think there's money or something in it, which there isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and, and that's a different thing, but for the most part, the people you meet and just the fact that it's a, it's a good social, the pub is a great atmosphere Mm -hmm. and, uh, the type of people and the things you can do together and, and talk about, I, it seems like you would get to that point where you think it's saturated and man, there's enough already. Let's stop it. But it's it just isn't that way for me. I enjoy it way too much and I enjoy the people too much.
0: That's cool. Hey, keeping with the theme of ProCo 360, this podcast, World Class Entrepreneurs Who Choose Colorado, what have you found about the Colorado entrepreneurial environment that maybe you're hearing
1: differently other about other places? That's a great question. I think... Uh, you know, obviously this is the type of thing you do and the questions that, that, that you're talking to and people, like minded people in Colorado. What's beautiful, I think, about Colorado and entrepreneurs in Colorado is for the most part, it wasn't just a business focus. It was Colorado and business. Hmm. And I think, you know, that's certainly the I, I grew up in Colorado, but but the people that I meet that are entrepreneurs or have started their own business, they've they've come to Colorado for a reason. Not necessarily the friendly business environment but but possibly but lifestyle and we're a lifestyle brand Mm -hmm. and i think uh it's cool because that just gives you a a multi-tiered conversation piece when you're talking to another entrepreneur it's not just the bottom line you're talking about it's it's here's why we're here and why we're doing this and i think it's that is really neat and fun and it's you know it's it's what Colorado is and it's why a lot of us are here. And I think it's, you know, for me, that's first and foremost, it, Colorado is the most important thing. Then what type of business mm. is it? I'm, I'm going to yeah. have, you know, it's yeah. going to be in Colorado though. Yeah,
0: that's cool. <laughs> so when you think back, cause you've been at this a while, you grew up in Colorado, you started your business young. When you think back and all the things you learned the hard way, like what have you, what have you done? What have you changed the, uh, of how you're doing things? How are you applying something you've learned
1: in a way that makes you, like, the most proud as you look back over your career in this? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. It's an easy answer, I think, and it took a long time. It, I, I'd say it's one of the one of the mistakes that we made early on. There's three of us that own Ska, myself, Bill Graham, and Matt Vincent. And for almost 20 years, the three of us were the three leaders of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt spun off and started another company, Scott Fabricating, uh, making canning line equipment for, for craft brewers mm. and he right away he hired a CEO we d- we mm. didn't do that for yeah. 20 years I mean I'm for the most part the CEO we hired a COO but but stepping back and le- and getting people involved um, that are better than you at any particular job and it just I don't know if it was ego or pride or getting just getting in our own way mm. but but now that we've done it, now that there's other people really running the show, I'm not hmm. I'm not needed day to day at the brewery. Um, I'm there hmm. talking big ideas and maybe uh-huh. development, but yeah. there's people who are running everything, and I don't I just don't know how to do anything there. Uh-huh. And it just took it took a long time to get there, but it's the. Best thing we've ever done. I wish we had brought mm. people in above us yeah, to yeah. really run the show. You know, mm. ten, fifteen years earlier. Wow. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think I'm going to wrap us up. And uh, listeners, I'm your host
0: Dave Tabor, and today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Dave Thibodeau of Scob Brewing and Peach Street Distillers. Thanks, Dave. It's been fantastic. And uh, I especially, it's really fun because we bumped into each other last night, and I had some <laughs> of your great beer.
1: So, uh, by the way, what is the name? that pink stuff that I tasted. It was so good. It's, <laughs> we get a lot of uh, p- people give us a hard time about the name of it, but it's Pink Vapor Stew. Oh, it's, it was awesome. It's actually a lyric out of a, a fishbone ska, it's a ska song oh, how funny. for the most part. Yeah, cool, so. well,
0: I liked it. And uh, <laughs> listeners also, thanks for joining me on ProCo 360 where we say, live, work, love Colorado because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the ProCo 360 podcast and submitting a review, please do submit a review. It helps a ton. Thanks again to show sponsors, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Community Banks of Colorado, Kinsley Meetings, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. A final thanks to Ty and Dustin here at the 92.9 The Point Studios in Durango, Colorado. That's the show. Live work love Colorado.